by now. I'm talking about Chi-Town. and taking it out of the air. Lord Stanley's new address is sweet home Chicago. The Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. Maybe we could start again. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Second City Show. I'm your host, Patrick Flowers, and we got a packed episode today. Today is our Major League Baseball Winter Meeting Recap episode. I'm going to be joined on the phone by David Wildman of the OnTap Sports Network. As always, you could follow Dave at David underscore Wildman 88. We're going to be talking a lot about the Chicago White Sox, the acquisition of Nomar Mazzara, misses that they may have fell flat on this week, what's next for the White Sox. Uh, A lot of third-tier pitchers and relievers flew off the board in San Diego this week during the winter meetings, kind of boxing in the White Sox um, as far as what they can do moving forward is concerned. So we'll talk a lot about that. We'll talk a lot about the big money shelled out this week in San Diego, especially to Scott Boras' clients. Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg, all of those guys. I, th- I believe the number's up near a billion dollars cumulatively over the lifetimes of their deals. So money was flying around. It was a hot stove like we haven't seen in years. We're going to talk all about it. We're also going to touch on the Cubs, who really didn't do anything at all during the winter meetings, but their name still came up here and there, um, specifically talking about trades of... Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, how they can maneuver moving forward, shed some payroll, and try to add to what they have there. A little bit about Anthony Rizzo and potential contract extension talks with the organization. Um, The Cubs are in a weird place right now, and we'll talk about that. I mean, this is a franchise that a couple years ago had such a promising future, and now there's really just kind of a a large unknown about what the direction of the franchise is going to look like moving forward. And I mean, a lot of that was highlighted this week during the winter meetings. Um, And then I also want to let you guys know Friday. So tomorrow afternoon, we're going to be previewing the bears and the Packers. I'm going to be joined by Aaron Parpart of the on tap sports network. And you can find Aaron on Twitter at, at premier amp. Uh, He also, co-hosts the Bears on Tap podcast for the On Tap Sports Network. So Aaron's a good Bears guy. We're going to talk all about the Bears and Packers. It's a pretty crucial matchup. So we'll get into that and uh, look forward to seeing that game on Sunday. But uh, before we get into our discussion with David Wildman today, let's pay some bills. Thrive Fantasy is a new cool and tough DFS app for prop bets. They're off to a great start because everything you do should be cool and tough, just like everybody over here at ONTAP Sports Network. Um, Thrive Fantasy has streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. Instead of the traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you're going to need to choose 10 of the 20 prop bets plus two ice picks to protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. Each unique prop bet has an over and an under point value assigned to it, and you'll be rewarded that point value if the prop bet is correct. So, for example, will Tom Brady throw for over or under 250 yards? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth, and you build your team score around the amount of correct props you select. 
you're going to download the app and you're going to use the promo code on tap. And once you deposit your first $10, Thrive is going to give you an additional $10. So grab a beer and crack them and enjoy a more convenient way to play DFS. All right, let's welcome in our guest of the day, David Wildman. Hey, Dave, what's going on today, buddy? Hey, Pat, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for joining me this evening. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. It's kind of a packed episode here today. Uh, we're going to go over everything from the winter meetings. Well, all the important stuff, not everything. Not but much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll start with the White Sox. Um, the only thing they did was the trade acquisition of Nomar Mazzara, the swap for Mazzara and uh, Steel Walker, second round pick in 2018. Give me your thoughts on that. Um, underwhelming, but harmless. Um, harmless on the condition that they don't think this is all they had to do. You know, I, I was giving you a little bit of shit on Twitter earlier, but, you know, he's basically left-handed Avisel Garcia at this point. Um, you know, as a platoon bat, fine. You, you add a guy like Ozuna, like we've been saying all offseason, that can mash on lefties a little bit then this move looks a lot better. But, you know, for right now, it's just underwhelming and, and honestly pretty frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. And and the frustrating part, though, is, is like you said, it comes with the caveat of if this is it, then it's really frustrating. But we assume, I don't know if we more assume or we more hope uh, at this point that they're going to add another piece into that outfield mix to make him more of a platoon player which would work well with his splits, but I woke up this morning with no no move being done on an evening that seemed like a lot of things were buzzing in San Diego at the winter meetings, and it was scorched earth. White Sox Twitter was going ape shit. I mean, I had to I had to, I had to jump right back out of Twitter. I was like, I'm I can't even do this right this early in the morning. Um, I I don't like all the overreaction, and I know I've done it before. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I've I've been bent about the White Sox before. You and I face to face. You know, I think I said last year after Machado uh, ended up going to San Diego that I would like not buy tickets or I wouldn't go to a game again. And of course, I was full of shit. Uh, I was at opening day. <laughs> That's how long that lasted. I just feel like there's more time left. Sure, we want the winter meetings were probably the most exciting they've been in years, and we went on to we probably wanted to be more of a part of that than we were. But there's plenty of time and plenty of guys on the board that the White Sox can still make, uh, yeah, you know, viable moves with. I think everyone that that's so pissed right now, I get it, and you know, I, I like I said, I, I'm mildly frustrated. I would have loved to walk out of the winter meetings with a deal that was price and some sweetener um you know the the boris thing is is frustrating i think it's clear now that organizationally we just aren't going to negotiate with boris guys um you know it's ridiculous it's a 20 year old feud at this point between him and reinstorf but you know, we saw it last year with Harper. We saw it this year with Strasburg, with Cole, with, with Rendon. We're going to see it again with Castellanos and Ryu. You know, it's stuff like that that at this point, it's like you just you don't know what to say. It's so bad, but you're so used to it. And, you know, they, they 
it's it's the same old stocks right now. I gave them a big Mia culpa after last year, and you know to this point they haven't done anything with it. And my confidence level that they're going to is really low. They were the high offer on Wheeler, great, but now it's like that didn't work out, and it's like now what? You're just gonna push the contention window back another year because you didn't land target one A. I mean, it's not acceptable. No, not at all. That's and that's I think. That's the fair part to be concerned about if, if you're White Sox fans and, you know, the consensus on White Sox Twitter agrees with you. But then there's the, the other demographic that's like, <clears throat> we didn't get Wheeler and we didn't get Ozuna and we're not going to get Castellanos and, and that's it. We're, we're, we're going to walk away with Nomar Mazzara and Yasmani Grandal and the White Sox punted again. I don't... You know, the, the Grand All signing is great. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's all right. I, I'm, I'm not discrediting that that signing was great. You know, he he was more so target 1A than Wheeler. But, you know, at the end of the day, that it's a $73 million contract. I mean, you're not exactly breaking ground. And, you know, for, for as much credit as they deserve, it's not like that changes how this franchise has been run on the free agent market and you know my guy James Fox is always talking about their shortcomings on the international market and he said it last night you can't have it both ways if you're not going to spend on youth talent acquisition and you're not going to spend on veteran talent acquisition you know then fuck you right i mean and and you're not very good at, at developing talent in-house from the draft and you're you're not very good at scouting talent that you're going to draft so what other option does that leave you? Yeah, and you're never going to put together a 20 now 26 man championship roster with 26 people that you develop through the farm. It's no. just not happening. No, you're absolutely correct. I mean, they couldn't do it if they wanted to. They just—they're just not good enough at it. And that's what—that's what really pisses me off about the White Sox. And and like I said, take this with a grain of salt because I'm—I'm reserving my ultimate judgment on this offseason for a few more weeks at least. Okay, because I—I still do think that with the people on the board, that they could still save face and and do what's needed to turn the corner in 2020. But as we sit here today, where we're at right now with what they've done. It doesn't look pretty. And this is the only place where you can do it because the farm system system is extremely top-heavy. And once Kopech and Madrigal and Robert graduate out of the pipeline, you know, out of, out of their their, um, their prospect status this year, it becomes a bottom-five farm system. So there you, you eliminate the ability to trade for talent outside of the organization because you become a bottom-five farm system when you take the guys that you will not trade out of the equation. You suck at drafting, and you suck at developing players from the the internal part of the organization. So really, spending money on players in free agency on the open market is your your number one source of talent acquisitions if you're the Chicago White Sox. So you can't continue to swing and miss, and you you can't continue to get outbid by people. No, and and that's 100% right, and I think for me... That's the most concerning part is that now that all these guys that we've traded for and acquired, uh, you know, by signing in the case of Robert, but, you know, now these guys that came to us as 
fairly developed prospects are moving out of the system, you know, we're, we're right back to where we were when this thing started in regards to what's coming down the pipeline. I think that when you talk about what Han envisioned and talked about at the beginning of this process and all along is a sustained winning window, you know, now we're counting down until Moncada and Giolito are free agents, then you start the whole thing over again. You're not going to sustain winning if you can't draft and develop a farm system. And from the side, nothing's changed on that front. I mean, we're still the team drafting the Jared Mitchells of the world, one pick before the Mike Trouts of the world, you know? And, and I think that is, like you said, when you combine that with the lack of spending, the Sox are still right where they are, just they kind of lucked into a really great core. I mean, it's like you draw parallels between this and Jerry's other team with the Bulls, you luck into Jordan, you luck into Rose, and you win a games because of it and a lot of championships. But at the end of the day, you don't do the things that actually successful, long-term successful teams do. And nothing's changed on that front. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just and you made the parallel and it's it's Jerry Reinsdorf and, and it's and and Michael Reinsdorf. So it's not like, you know, not like we have much to look forward to when Jerry's time comes because Michael will ta- assume both or the, you know, assume the chair spot in both organizations and it'll be more of the same. We've seen that with the Bulls. You know, Michael's been running the Bulls day-to-day operations for a while now and it's it's, it's just as bad as it's ever been, if not worse. So, I mean, this is the window for the White Sox right now. Like you said it perfectly. Mancada and Giolito, those service clocks are ticking and you know, when those two guys come up for free agency, I find it hard to believe that the White Sox will be able to shell out the cash needed to keep them in Chicago long term. No, and they they won't have anybody in the farm, you know, ready to come up. Right. You're going to win with a core and Nick Madrigal? No. No. I, I don't hate Madrigal as a prospect, but he's very much an auxiliary piece, you know? So, you know, it's, it's frustrating. And as, as much as this core has been great and the rebuild has been fine, you're just not seeing the behavior changes in the key areas. And and now we're three years into this thing. And like I said, I, I forgave him for last year and said, ah, you know, well, that's a pretty old White Sox, but I still have some faith. But now it's like, you know, just same old, same old, just with a more talented, cheaper core. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a little it's a little disheartening. Um, that's for sure. And I think nervous is a good word to use right now. I'm not I'm not overly pissed at the way that the offseason's gone this far. I'm not overly excited either. I'm just really nervous because I. I've, there's, there's pieces out there to be had that, that create a path that I could see, um, you know, being a viable one to contention. And then they can also sit in their hands and do absolutely nothing and punt for another year. So I'm just nervous at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the perfect word to describe it. Nervous and there is some frustration there because there, there are big names out there to be had and they, they're just not doing it. Yeah. So nervous and frustrated. I mean, I just think that, you know, and this is going to, you know, this is one thing that people were bitching about this morning was that they didn't make a play for Anthony Rendon. Well, and the Angels had him for a pretty a relatively fair price, seven years, 245, I want to say. 
Um, I, I think it's yeah, in that seven two forty five. Seven two forty five in that ballpark, and it's like we don't, you know, we have a third baseman. Sure, we can move Moncada off third base and put him at second base, and you can put Rendon at third base, and then you, you know, then what do you do with Madrigal? That's not a horrible problem to have, but at the same time. That really wasn't a guy we came into the winter meetings or into free agency saying, man, the White Sox should really target Anthony Rendon. So I don't even, I don't I just, like out of nowhere, everybody just shit their pants that, that the Angels got him for a reasonable price and the Sox yeah, didn't. I, I agree. I thought that was really weird and a lot of frustration that we didn't get involved. But, you know, we're, we've talked about this before. We're not a team that can just sign the biggest name on the market every year. You know, we, we have one shot at the big name. There's no point blowing that shot on a guy in a position where we have probably our best player right now. Yeah, totally agree. And I just that's that's just the facts, you know. And and we have Madrigal coming up the pipeline. We just have to think economically, you know. And I, I get that's an unpopular take right now, and I see a lot of people saying the same thing, getting shit on. But you know. That's just the facts, and be as mad as you want about the fact that that is how it is, because it shouldn't have to be, and I get that, and that's frustrating, but, you know, it's just the reality. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It shouldn't have to be, you know, we feel that, you know, we live in Chicago, and that this is, you know, the one of the largest markets in the country, and, and that our teams should act accordingly. Um, and have def- most definitely have the capability to act accordingly. This isn't by, by no means making an excuse for cheap-ass Jerry Reinsdorf because if, if the prick wanted to act like a big market team, he certainly could. Um, but we, we just by now should know that he's not going to, and we need to act accordingly to what we have to deal with. I mean, we have what we have. It is what it is. You know, Sure, he can do more, but he's not going to. So you're yeah. you're in for a really miserable fandom for a long time if 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 you can't get over the fact that the Reinsdorfs are never going to uh, you know treat their bank account like the like they should. Yeah, and and I think what fans should be frustrated about is guys like Michael Waka and Rick Porcello basically going to the Mets to play for free. Right, those are the guys that we should be in on, and that's the stuff where it's like, so really, after Wheeler, you had no plan. Right, it's like. You, you know, it was the same thing last year with Machado. You spent the entire offseason chasing the guy, and you get pantsed, and then you're just standing there like, oh, shit, we had no idea this might happen. You know, and it's like deja vu now with Wheeler. There's plenty of affordable pitchers on the market that aren't even Boris guys. I mean, listen to us. Listen to how hard we're making excuses for this team to just do the most basic shit. Right. I mean, you're, I, you're, mean, <laughs> I thought that last night, uh, you know, Wednesday night when, when I'm seeing those names come off the board Wednesday night into Thursday morning, all those tier three pitchers and the relievers, and I'm like, you know, for three million, for five million. And it, it's like I'm, I'm staring at Dan Saborski's fan graphs article on the White Sox early zips projections right now. It's in front of me, and I'm looking at the starters. You got Giolito, Lopez, Cease, Kopech, and then you got. Dylan Covey and Carson Fulmer slated there. Once again, you didn't get Wheeler. That sucked. Right now, you, there's Mad Bum, Ryu, and 
uh, Keuchel, still on the board. Reasonable targets that you could slot in the middle to the upper part of the rotation. But you don't have them today. And you still don't have a fifth starter. Today. And, so and you, we're, we're literally sitting here being like, okay, we understand you're not going to go after Boris, guys. We understand you're not going to give a pitcher a big contract. Sign Rick Porcello for one year, $10 million, to just eat a couple innings. And we'd be happy with that. And they can't even do that. And, you know, and Rick Hahn wants to sit there and talk to us like we're idiots. And he wants to be like, well, we err on the side of being aggressive and this and that. Bullshit. Yeah. We've been listening to you sing that tune for three years, and it's bullshit. Three years plus. I mean, you know, Hahn has been in his... his been in that seat for longer than the beginning of this rebuild and you know what i'll tell you what rick Hahn seems like a nice enough guy all right and i'm sure he's very smart i mean he's done good things in this chair but listening to him speak in public is like being in a courtroom all right he's a lawyer i know he is a lawyer so it's it's not surprising we shouldn't be all that surprised but it's just lawyer speak he's just talking to us like he, 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 a lawyer and it, I'm not falling for it. I don't think any fans at this point are falling for it. No, no they're not. And I'm not sure why they think we are. And, you know, maybe maybe you're handcuffed by Jerry and you deserve some sympathy. But then stop talking like you're not. No. Stop talking to us like you have the ability to do these things. Just shut up. I mean, Theo on the other side of town is very honest about the predicament the Cubs find themselves in. That's, you know, god damn, can we at least get that? Can we at least get some honesty? Or nothing. Anything would be better than being lied to on a regular basis by yeah. these people. Yeah, can you not? Can you at least not treat us like a bunch of idiots? Exactly. I mean, that, you know, I'm just so sick of it all. And, it, it, you know, they're losing me. They are. And I'm always going to go to games, and I'm never going to be one of those people that's going to pretend that I'm not because I like to drink and I like to eat and I still like baseball. But, you know, it's at this point, you know, what are my expectations? Not much. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't, you, you mentioned sympathy. You know, if he's handcuffed by Jerry, you know, have some sympathy. I don't have no sympathy for Rick Hahn. I don't have any sympathy, sympathy for Theo Epstein on the other side of town. And things are kind of getting shitty over there. I have sympathy for none of these guys. He, they don't have to stay here. If if Rick Hahn, has, or if Jerry Reinsdorf has you financially handcuffed to the point where you can't do your job to the best of your ability, and you know that to the point where you have to lie to everybody on a daily basis in the public, same thing goes on the north side. If Epstein's handcuffed by the Ricketts because they overblew, you know, they overspent, they blew their load on the Wrigleyville renovation, and now they don't <laughs> want to spend any money on fixing that team that's that's a lot closer to a World Series than the White Sox are as we sit today, you know, then leave. Go somewhere else because another team or will... Or just shut up. Just stop talking to us. Yeah, one or the other. One or the other. I mean, but another yeah, but... team will take these guys. These are, these are good, smart front office executives. They'll have a job in a heartbeat. I mean, you, you saw the one time that Han was was truly able to operate the way he wanted to. He did a great job. Yeah. And that, and obviously I'm talking about the sale, Quintana, you know, that stage right. of the rebuild, he aced it. He did. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was, was I was on the honor roll in seventh grade too, but eventually you got to graduate and go to high school. 
Exactly. <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't keep know, bragging about, you know, how you aced the exam a couple years ago. It's getting old. The clock's ticking on these guys. You got these guys, and now the clock's ticking, and you're wasting it. And it looks like they're content saying, oh, well, now it's 2021, and that doesn't cut it for me. No, not at all. Me, me neither. And, I mean, we could talk about this till the cows come home. But there's a bunch of other stuff on the slate for us to get to today. So, you know, let's let's leave it at that as far as the front office conversation is concerned. And, and let's pivot back to the acquisition of Mazzara briefly and just kind of talk about his fit with the White Sox if they do acquire somebody else and if they don't acquire somebody else. I'll start. I see it this way. I think they still acquire Castellanos. That's, that's my hope. That's not any sourced information. Please, people, don't start throwing eyeball emojis out and losing your fucking minds on social media. I think there's a good chance that they acquire Castellanos and, you know, Mazzara then becomes a platoon piece uh, who just hits the shit out of right-handed pitching, and that's fantastic. On the flip side, you, you don't acquire another piece, then you have a guy who can only hit right-handed pitching, and it's not... Not very exciting, but it isn't the end of the world in 2020 because Leori Garcia has proven that he can hit left-handed pitching, the opposite split of Mazzara. He's proven that he can play at least replacement-level defense in the outfield, and he can do some things, you know, on the base pass and hit hitting all over the hit all over the batting order. So. If we had to enter 2020 with a platoon of Nomar Mazzara and Leori Garcia in right field, I still don't think it's the end of the world. It's not what we wanted. It's definitely disappointing, but it's not horrible. Yeah, the way I see it, and I'm going to keep it short and sweet because, you know, it's it's been talked about. But it as Mazzara is now, it's an upgrade. It's literally the most marginal upgrade they could have made to the position right now if he is the full-time guy. You know, I have no idea whether he will be or not. I wouldn't be surprised either way. But it's the most marginal upgrade you could have made. That being said, we have a new hitting coach this year that guys rave about, you know, and he's only 24 years old. And I, you know, I posted it on Twitter but this guy has had months at a time where he has absolutely torn up the league. So, you know, it's it's a value play and not a terrible one right now. And we didn't give up much in Steel Walker. This guy, he's not going to turn into the next Tatis by any means. Um, and even if he did, he was blocked up by Robert. So, you know, whatever. It's fine. I'm not mad about it, but, you know. <laughs> that too, sounds too like boring. such a depressed take. <laughs> Whatever. You know, but hopefully Mancino can consistently turn him into that guy that ripped it up in May of 2018. Yeah, I. that's another good point, and I, I touched on that briefly on, on Twitter on uh, Thursday afternoon. I, I think that they're a pair that are perfect for each other, and... That was probably part of the internal conversation before they pulled the trigger on it, is that Mazzara, his worst stretches of his career have always revolved around him hitting far too many ground balls. And Menachino has had a good run, 
with getting guys to elevate the ball and put the ball in the air and, and um, you know, pull the best out of their, their power abilities. So if that lines up, then, you know, Mazzara, he, he might be a two-win player in right field. I could live with that for sure for two years. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's a it's a value play. It's it's our attempt at you know doing what the Cubs did with Arietta. Yeah, I'm not so much. I'm really I'm really not as concerned about the offense as I am the pitching. So you know whatever the whatever the deal shakes out to be in right the right field DH platoon situation that's kind of festering right now. Whatever it none of it matters if they don't sign another at least one starting pitcher. Yeah, probably two. Probably too, because the you know the White Sox, uh, you know, in the past couple of years have used I want to say ten starting pitchers a year. I mean, they just an insane amount of starting pitchers. They've they've been just devastated by injuries. So you got to get a you got to get one guy that you can slot into the middle of the rotation, and you got to get another guy that could just eat up innings, like an actual professional major league pitcher who can eat some innings up when he's needed. We, we talked about some of the guys, and, you know, it's like, just get somebody. I'd love it to be David Price. I'm all for that, especially if it comes with a sweetener. But it, you got to do something. Hmm. Oh, my, yeah. That's the – that's the, I can't believe I almost didn't even think about that. That whole David Price thing, I mean, what – that came from Peter Gammons originally, but he never really confirmed – how he how he got that information or who he got it from or what the validity of it was I mean it's it's a little sketchy right now at best I mean it makes sense for them to be partners in in some sort of conversation but not if it involves Vaughn or magical and that's those are two names I heard earlier and that's makes me want to throw up that the white Sox would even consider that not saying they are just pure speculation here I think if you if if you trade for price. You either give them lottery tickets back and eat the money, or they eat some of the money. Or if they eat most or all of the money, then you get a guy back in return. But I don't. I also, I don't think it's going to be Benintendi either, which is the other name that was floated. Now give them a give them Stever or something. You yeah, know, like I, you said, give them give them a low level guy. See if they'll keep any of the money. And hopefully they'll throw in like Jackie Bradley Jr. or something. Yeah, I think JBJ's is a much more realistic sweetener than Andrew Benintendi. Yeah, I mean Benintendi would be awesome. That'd be great. But uh, you know, I I think adding Price to the rotation would be a damn solid addition. Yeah, I do too. That's also why I don't have too much confidence in it happening. <laughs> What, uh, what's his name? Uh, right Sox. I can't remember his real name right now. Damn it. Uh, he writes for CBS, but he does the podcast with Fagan at The Athletic, all up in Sox business. But he put on Twitter today that Dallas Keuchel's the only pitcher on the market that hasn't been associated with the White Sox in any way, so it's probably going to be him that gets signed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So there was a lot more that went on in the winter meetings in the White Sox, obviously. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with 
the big names, the top end of the free agent class, and most notably Scott Boris' clients. Uh, Garrett Cole got nine years, $324 million. Um, Rendon got seven years, $245 million. And I can't remember what Strasburg got, but it was seven years. It was identical to Rendon. Identical to Rendon. So I don't have a calculator on me, but that's nearing a billion dollars in uh, money doled out to those three guys over the longevity of those deals. That is insane. Boris, baby. I know. I mean, some. I was reading some earlier. If if the cut, if he gets a five percent cut commission wise on that, he's looking at thirty million dollars in a week. I mean, thirty million dollars in a week as an agent. Yeah, man. I should have went to law school. <laughs> There's still time, Dave. Yeah, not much. <laughs> You know what? You're right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go apply right now as we speak. You go to DePaul. I do. Uh, I met a. I met a, a sports agent. This um, this quarter, he spoke to my sports business. Awesome. Yeah, I don't think I got the slime factor. That dude was slimy. <laughs> Most lawyers are. No offense to any lawyers listening to the podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. Um, Garrett Cole going to the Yankees doesn't really surprise me. I feel like uh, the Yankees, even though they haven't really spent as much as they have historically um, in the past few years, I think they've always proven that if they fall in love with a prospect, that they're just going to get him. I mean, there's money means a prospect. I mean, a star. Yeah, a star. I'm sorry. The Yankees don't deal in prospects. I, I, I didn't mean a prospect. I meant like a, a prospective player. My bad. Um, <laughs> there's, there's nothing going to stop them in the way of dollars and cents if they want them. So, you know, they just went off the deep end and gave him a record-breaking yeah. deal to make sure they got him. Classic Yankees, man. I mean... It, you, you throw it like I was telling I forget who I was talking oh, I was talking to Austin Bloomberg yesterday about it and you know I was like man remember a year or two ago when the Yankees were like the, the plucky underdogs in the playoffs with the homegrown team and he's like you know they were that back in the 90s and I'm like man I, I grew up on the Yankees with CeCe A-Rod Teixeira um you know, just the mega contract Yankees. Yeah. It's, it's classic. And he's it's right. Hard. I'm closer to Austin's age. I, I remember vividly the Yankees in the 90s, and, and uh, the, that was a pretty homegrown team. I still hated them, but because before that, they were they were the, the Yankees of now and the Yankees of that generation you spoke of. So the, the hatred was kind of passed on down the generations, you know, from my father on down to me. And, you know, it, it, it is what it is. The Yankees are the Yankees. They're the evil empire for anybody who doesn't root for the Yankees or have an allegiance to them. Uh, what was more surprising to me was Rendon going to the Angels. I did not see that coming. Um, You know, the, the Angels are one of those, you know, they're, they're that team, I think, back to when they signed Pujols and uh, – was it C.J. Wilson? Yeah. When they signed Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson, I mean, the Angels hand out some cash. They do. And they... that's 
that's not anything new. No, I mean they gave they also gave Hamilton a lot of money too. A, a ton. A yeah, ton. Like which, this is they gave back to Tory Hunter. Tory you know, gave Tory Hunter a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, and all of those deals blew up in their face. <laughs> Every single one of those deals has exploded in their face. You know, and, and that's one thing going back to Sox Twitter. So many people being like, that's the kind of owner we want. Is it? That's an owner that's had Mike Trout for almost eight years, almost ten years now. Yeah. He's never, ever made the playoffs with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to this year. I've really unless more of those contracts blow up. Man, I I don't know that that's a they need pitching help still, but that is and it, and it's on the market. So you know I, I hope they don't end up taking the same help we need. But um, that's a tough lineup right there. You know you got Rendon and you got Mike Trout and then Otani. You up a little bit there. What you said? You got I said that's that's a that's a hell of a lineup right there. They still need pitching help, but. When you when you put Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and and Shohei Otani, who slugs the shit out of the ball in the same lineup, uh, and then you throw in Angelton Simmons, and I think they got Tommy Lastella, and then the Fletcher kid that emerged last year when Lastella was hurt. You know, you yeah. you look at that lineup up and down, and all of a sudden you're got the guy to attack for opposing pitchers is you know Hall of Famer Albert Pujols. Yeah, I mean, how hard is it to put a team around Mike Trout that he can carry to the playoffs? Ideally, you would you wouldn't think it's that hard, but the Angels have proved otherwise for about the last decade. And yeah, but you know, you don't want a guy like that that just hands out dumb contracts. You yeah, know? and I don't think Art Moreno is is the model owner by any means either. No, I I don't either. It's it's just it'll be nice to see some parody in the NL West, especially, you know, amid the Houston Astros cheating scandal. It'll be nice to see a little bit uh, another team kind of compete with them out in the West there. Take some of that yuck away. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Watching, watching these teams snap up guys like Rendon, who I didn't even want that bad, but you know, just knowing that we'll never be in on a guy like that. It stings. It does. But like you said, it is what it is. Um, on the other side of town, winter meetings-wise, the Chicago Cubs really didn't do anything at all. I think they picked up one guy out of the Rule 5 draft today and then lost three at the same time. Um, but there was news surrounding the team, of course, because they've kinda, they're kind of in this, this limbo, this stage of nobody knows really what their next move is going to be. And we heard Wilson Contreras as a trade possibility. We heard Chris Bryant as a trade possibility. And then we also uh, heard on Wednesday, Jesse Rogers of ESPN reported that the Cubs and Rizzo's representation have stopped talking about a potential contract extension. And I know he's got two years left and, you know, they can pick it up at any time and continue to talk about it. But, you know, given the circumstances surrounding the rest of the team's uncertainty, it's the timing is ironic at the minimum. You can jump in at any time. I know. <laughs> I know this isn't the Cubs aren't your your bread and butter. No, I um, honestly, uh, the, it, it's fading in and out a little bit. Oh, but. Um, um, no, my, my thoughts on the Cubs are, 
and this is coming after I had a tour led by uh, their number three in command uh, after the Ricketts family on the business side of things. And after seeing the money they put into that place and after (laughs) seeing some of the equations on how many tickets you got to sell to make X amount of money, I mean, that team is broke. And, you know, it, it, a lot of people say, you know, how, how does a baseball team not have money? You do what the Cubs did. You sign a ton of really, really expensive contracts and you put hundreds of millions of dollars into renovating a stadium that should have been torn down and you end up in a financial bind. I mean, that that team genuinely has no money. Uh, they're going to do what they have to do, and it's going to be hilarious. People are going to be so mad. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything, I mean, that was, that was really good insight, you know, especially that you gained um, in that experience speaking with their business department and having a tour of all the things and seeing just how much money they spend. A lot of Cup fans don't want to believe that the team is broke. They're like, you know, the Ricketts have X amount of dollars. They just sold TD Ameritrade. You know, there's money. They print money. They got the marquee network. But, I mean, they. I, I side with you. You know, everybody thinks that there's this endless amount of money to throw around, but they still have to have Budgets. That's what nobody gets. There's no salary cap in baseball, but you, there has to be budgets or you go broke, like for real. No, and and it's easy to understand how you might think, I'm paying $12 for a beer. Well, you know, baseball teams are just money machines. It's like, yeah, they are, but they're, they're just businesses. At the end of the day, that's what they are. And at the end of the day, players are an expense and they are a huge one. And, you know, you when you've put the money that they put into Wrigley, and not just Wrigley, but the area outside of Wrigley, you, you can't just hand out a $300 million contract every single offseason. And they've put themselves in a position now with Hayward and with Darvish, and, you know, they're going to have to choose. And, and I think that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they won a World Series. How much more can you ask for? The dynasty is not happening. If it was, they wouldn't be trading KB right now. But I think when you talk both from a baseball sense and a business sense, trading Chris Bryant is the right move. Totally agree. And according to Bob Nightingale, you know, as recently as Thursday evening, Cubs executives left San Diego with the impression that that's that's all but done. The, you know, they got to wait out that grievance to see whether he has one or two years of service time. And then from there, it's just a matter of, you know, getting the return you want. But, I mean, they're they're confident that, that Chris Bryant will not play w- with the Cubs in 2020. It's, it's reached that level of seriousness, a level that I don't think Cubs fans expected, and I don't think they want to believe it. But it is what it is. You know, they're they're choosing they're choosing 
Rizzo and Baez over Bryant and, and Contreras, it seems, and that's fine because they're going to have to reload. They just better make sure they get it right because if they don't, I don't think Theo Epstein sticks around much longer. We saw he did it in Boston uh, when, when, he kept, when he got to the point where he was banging his head against ownership's door for more money and there was no more money to give and he couldn't, couldn't uh, put a winning product back on the field with the, with the financial restrictions, uh, he left. And he went to the Cubs, and we're approaching that ten-year mark now, where yep. you know Theo's future is going to be in question in Chicago, and 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 it seems like deja vu. Yeah, a hundred percent, and I, and I think that um, Cubs fans just have to realize this family is operating a business, and you know the same things happening on the South Side with less money involved. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is a family business being run on the north side. And, you know, you can't just bleed money every single year. And also, another thing is Marquee Sports Network might be a safe gamble, but it is a gamble. There's no guarantee. You know, the, they were talking about how the Dodgers completely bungled the rollout of their own TV network. And it ended up costing them a lot of money. They were able to recover because they're in L.A. and they're the Dodgers. But, you know, there's no guarantee that Marquee Sports Network isn't going to blow up in the face of the Cubs. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. It's, it's Marquee is, is another business in itself and it's a new business. So the, the results are not guaranteed. The money's not guaranteed. It's despite the the popular opinion among the you know the fan ranks that money's not guaranteed this is a business venture and it's an experiment until until proven otherwise yeah and that's a reality and it's a tough one because you you don't want to think of it like that you don't want to think of your favorite baseball team as being a business that people live on and you just want it to think we just do what it takes to win but the Cubs have put themselves in a position now where they have to approach it like a business, and I believe them when they say they don't have the money. Yeah, I do as well, totally. Um, and I, it's it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> it, it, it it's it's going to be different. I think both of the I think the Sox and the Cubs are trending in opposite directions right now um, in in the Chicago baseball baseball landscape and. It'll be an interest. They're they're in an interesting juncture, both of them. So the next the next year is going to be very telling for both organizations, one way or another. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I think that about covers it for our 2019 Major League Baseball Winter Meetings wrap episode. I wish there was more exciting local news to talk <laughs> about. <laughs> hey, it was a great winter meeting, so a lot of a lot of great stuff and. We should just be thankful for that. It was. It really was um, because, I mean, we, we've missed that. I mean, this is – if it stays if it stays like this moving forward, I'll be happy. This was – Major League Baseball, you know, before the last few years, to me, had one of the most exciting off-seasons. And then, you know, the perpetual cold stoves that we saw over the last couple of years combined with some, some massive movement and money being doled around in the NBA – gave the NBA the nod there but so this was nice as a baseball fan and a baseball purist I'd like to see that more but uh I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up right here for all the listeners uh, before I let Dave go 
Um, make sure tomorrow, Friday afternoon, you check out our Bears and Packers preview. Myself and Premier Amp uh, from ONTAP Sports Network will be breaking down the Bears and Packers crucial division matchup, uh, which will surely decide the fate of the Bears one way or another here as we get into the home stretch of the 2019 NFL season. Um, so until then, uh, thanks again to Dave. Remember, go follow him on Twitter at David underscore Wildman 88 and follow ONTAP Sportsnet at ONTAP Sportsnet. And I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Great talking, Pat. All right. You don't know by now, I'm talking about Chi-Town. Jimenez, in the air, left field. He's your hero tonight. I think that'll be a fade to black moment with Allen Robinson taking it out of the air. Sweet home Chicago! The Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup! Maybe we could start again.